Carl's excellent podcast show. There's a hanging rope. <laughs> it's time to start relaxing. I hope we get this right. It's time to listen to our extra show tonight. It's time for my new stories and my wild style It's time to laugh out loud together or alone. I'll be a record breaker. I'll review all of my songs. Can I get original or cover? Other interesting segments. And now let's get this started. I think my doctor's farted. It's time to get this started on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, innovational. This is our excellent podcast show. Perfect. Rush, rush, hammers, this is that news, this news, this news, this news, this is news. Yes,
hauntings can increase the value of your home by £50,000. If horror movies have taught us anything, it's to never go to the basement, never play board games with imaginary friends, steer clear of masked men on Halloween and never look back. Whilst demonic noises and ghostly raids in the middle of the night are sure shot signs to get out of the house and run for your life, a new study has revealed that when it comes to selling, having a resident ghost can dramatically increase the value of your house. According to the latest study by Inventory Base, homes with a famous haunting actually sell for more than other properties in local areas. The study looked at the top five haunted houses in the UK and found that they sold for 18% more than other neighboring non-ghost filled residences. In fact, spooky happenings in your house can boost the value of your property by 48,000 pounds. Take for instance, 284 Green Street, Enfield Town. The home features in the hit film, The Conjuring 2. And since the film's release in 2016, the house has increased in price by over 100,000 pounds. 30 East Drive voted the most haunted house in Britain by the most haunted TV show, or as I like to call it, Almost Haunted, last sold mm. for 132,000 uh, and is near estimated at 145,000 pounds. It has been decorated, uh, sorry, it hasn't been decorated or touched up since the 1970s and has increased in value by 23,000 pounds in comparison to other completely refurbished homes on the same street. The findings come after uh, news broke that the original Conjuring House in the US has been up for sale and its current, by its current owners for $1.2 million. If you've got a ghosty, wow. you could, um, yeah, increase the value of your home. Wow. It's funny, you, I remember watching Most Haunted, I think, with this girl I was seeing. What do you think about Most Haunted? Because that's the thing, it's just the two people going, oh, I feel cold, I feel cold. And they're like, what's that? Did you hear that? Oh, God. Mm. Oh, my God. And then running out. And then it's more to do with their imagination than being hypersensitive to the slightest kind of, Absolutely. Like, oh, my hands are getting really cold. It's winter I think you and can, we're outside. I think you can get, set yourself up psychologically yeah. to... Uh, suddenly react to things or like say that the imagination fills in the gaps and you um, you have this expectation of of something more horrific happening than the, what actually is much like the Ouija board isn't it I think there was on a Darren Brown um, show and he was able to because like the Ouija board is so open to suggestion that you know, mm -hmm. the slightest touch people kind of go with it because they're willing it to kind of like some to feel some force yeah. you chose the first the opening song by Gunship. Yes, last time we had them on the show was, I think, way back in show number 14. 13, I thought. 13. I thought it was 13. Oh, 13, close, when, close. We did, when we did an album review of Gunship. It was also the show that we had as a, a mashup as well. Flipping the script. Flipping the script, yeah. Flipping the script, not a mashup, is it? <laughs> it's a, <laughs> flipping the script. But no, I was thinking, because I. I listened to the song, obviously, when you sent it to me. And I remember the, the album review, which you can actually listen to on, on Show 13, which is on our website, www.completeoursouls.com. It's not available to download because it's an old show, so visit the website and there will be links there. Yeah, I listened to the album. I, mean, I think this is obviously a different album to the one that this was on. Yeah, and I remember the, saying the to you... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember saying to you that I kind of like, halfway through it, I thought, oh, you know, is it going to hurry up and finish? And what I might do is listen to it again and let you know how I get on with it. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
because now that now it's obviously November mm-hmm. and uh, Carl Carl Sagan's birthday, incidentally, and also um, was it Dean Stockwell died today? If you are yeah. a Quantum Leap fan, or I guess it'd have been um, Battlestar Galactica for you, would it have been? What with Dean Stockwell? Uh, was he not in that? Or something? He was. He was in Dune, the original Dune movie. Yeah, but I think he was in some TV. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, so interesting. See, I'll let you know how I get on with gunship. Great stuff. No, I must admit, I've, I've, it's, it's back on in the car. Now those nights are getting dark and we've got all the, the lights going. So get the old gunship out. So what's, what are we going to talk about tonight? Fireworks. Did you get any this year? No, we didn't do any fireworks. Nothing at all. Oh, uh, how, about, that, how about you? I'd say this year was the first year that I've ever bought fireworks. No oh, rockets. Really? I, didn't, I didn't want to go crazy. But yeah, I, I remember that, like there was a pop-up store opposite like where the Griffin pub used to be. I was like Asteroids, yeah. Fireworks, they've got somewhere mm-hmm. in Yarmouth as well. So I, I got like a 25 quid box and uh, filled my metal wheelbarrow up with soil and then I wheeled it to the end of the garden and that's where I set the fireworks from. Nice. And this is interesting ones. That, um, I only spent 25 quid on them. I thought I'm not going to go crazy because we did go to the, there's a park nearby setting off loads of fireworks so we went to the neighboring uh, kind of area mm-hmm. and I had my son on my shoulders and we just watched the fireworks from there like, like cheap homes. Except there's, there's, there's usually you know loads of displays or, or bits and bobs going on out and about and around I know there's I mean fireworks were going off all night here and mm. you know nights before nights after which with 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 having a pet was was quite tricky um, she's mm. really, Let's really terrified. Let's off one day. She? It should just be one day or like... Yeah, absolutely. If it's a Friday, then maybe on a Saturday as well, like over the two-day period. Mm-hmm. And New Year's should be the only other time, I reckon. Yeah. It's to, it's to commemorate an event, isn't it? Which is on a particular, mm. particular date, not just an excuse to be running fireworks for a week, two weeks. Yeah. So how, how how were your fireworks then? Your twenty five pound box? Mm. They they were they are what you imagine a twenty five quid <laughs> box of fireworks to be. It was all right. There was one like this candle thing or something. It was a long stick thing, and you you know you got the the, the thing I amazed me the most. You got these like Josh sticks and uh, as a, as the firelight. So I was like, oh, impressive. <laughs> they just kind of go poof poof mm-hmm. poof poof, and then it's like, oh, is that it? Okay, and then you do like a can thing. It's just fizzes, and you and there's a little bit inside you goes. Mm, is it going to damage the grass? It's like what kind of fireworks do you think they are? It's not napalm, yeah, for crying out loud. I think that's part but, of the charm of those those home bought fireworks. They are a little bit rubbish. I thought you were going to say homemade. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be something. Have you been to any any sort of decent displays then over the over the years? No, that's what I was going to say to you. What's your earliest memory of it? Because I think, because when I was younger, remember wow, going yeah. to the James Paget Hospital, because it seemed to be mean, mean more to me. And because I've never really been one for big firework displays and going, you know, going, ooh. I never went to the, when I lived in London, I never went to the New Year's ones. I couldn't see the point. I'd rather watch it on TV because I switch TV. TV it's always, always, yeah, spectacular. Yeah. Then you can go straight to bed as well. And you mm-hmm. get, yeah, and you're not cold and you're not getting pickpocketed. 
But uh, what was your bit? Because did you ever used to go to like fireworks displays when you were younger? Because they used to give those glow sticks. Uh, they were the things that I I remember very fondly. It's like you get these things. And they said, oh yeah, deep sea divers. They use these, and when they're going down down the rigs mm. and stuff, because they they glow, and you go. <gasps> And you try and <laughs> hope for it. And they said, oh, if you put it back in the freezer, then you can crack it again and it'll work. And it never did. Mm. Yeah, I never did. Obviously, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Um, I don't have massive memories of, of actual fireworks shows, not in terms of, of public ones, but there were there were bonfires, actual proper bonfires that I went to. Oh, around, massive. Around, all on the beach. Yeah. Um, friend, friends of the parents. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, someone's doing a bonfire, a bit of a, a you know, backyard um, firework display and go into those and you know, there's a bit of food on there and the toffee apples and... Um, well, it used to be jacket potatoes like generally, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it know. was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, baked potato. That's it, but then it's like, well, I need a knife and fork to eat this. So you just ended <laughs> up... And it would always be quite hard, I, I recall. And because they weren't that hot, you'd get butter, but the butter wouldn't really melt in it. And it's just like, oh, this feels a bit waxy, the potato inside of it still. I was never never that thrilled with uh, with those kind of, the, the, the food offerings. Hot dogs, maybe, but I like the floppy, the, fr uh, the, the foot, you know, the Ameri uh, the ones yeah, you associate yeah. with uh, yeah. Frankfurt. Hot, hot, dog, hot dog sausages, not, not normal sausages. Sausages, not sausages. <laughs> now, did you ever, because did you, did you ever buy fireworks then? When you uh, well, I when you were younger, we only ever bought bangers. No, certainly not younger. I think as as um, as an adult, as a parent, I think once we bought some some fireworks for the for the backyard, but that's only ever once. Or we we bought some, took them round, and there was like a a, a family family get together and contributed to a selection of rubbish. Oh, you bring some there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember someone having some indoor fireworks and they were like, yeah, yeah, and they did it and it stunk the living room out because obviously it's burning, someone's got yeah. to burn. It's like, they might be indoor, but they're going to let off a pong. It's like burning toast times those, 20. Those were those were rubbish, but they were great because they were rubbish. And yeah, you'd light them and that'd be like mm, a snake. The snake, I was going to say the snake, it was just, yeah, expanding and expanding. And that was, that was always my favourite because you never knew when it was going to finish. Yeah, and then the whole living room was full. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, open all the doors and the windows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. No, because we, like I said, we used to go to, was it Kerrison's on, um, on King Street, one of mm -hmm. the toy shops, and they sold, obviously, fireworks. Uh, well, they had bangers underneath the, uh, the counters. And my, obviously, I hung around with my brother and Jason, so my brother would buy them. And they must have known what you're gonna, you know, you're gonna piss about them, because they're bangers, <laughs> for Christ's sake. They're not fireworks. And so then what we used to do is we'd go along the seafront and we'd find all, and uh, go along the, the promenade, and we'd find all these dog turds and we would put a banger in them and light the banger and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want to hang around for that, do you? No, exactly, exactly. And that would, obviously then we'd explode the poo. <laughs> I remember being near the cafe, near the Pleasure Beach, um, which incidentally later turned out to um, be ran by um, the parents of this girl I started dating like a few years later, probably about five years later. So um, I was pissing about near her parents' cafe. So <laughs> I think we even actually, because they had some doors that opened up onto the promenade, I think we 
we purchased a drink once, and I think uh, Dad served us. For me, as I say, growing up, it was just, you'd go to these mass things. I never really liked the whole idea of like standing around it. It'd be all pitch black because you're in a field. I'd be cold. Yeah. You're wearing wellies, which don't have great insulation on the bottom of your, of your feet. And you'd, I don't know, I didn't mind colder weather, like going for a walk or, you know, pissing about in the waterways or doing stuff outside and being cold and then coming home and having some crumpets, which was the, you know, which is a nice mm. memory, I think, to do with this whole, you know, fireworks, this, this whole phase, you know, conkers and fireworks and bonfires. And it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite nice memories actually thinking back to uh, the fireworks. It's quite, quite an involved season, isn't it? Autumn, you've got all the kind of the, the harvest and, you know, your conkers and Halloween and, and, and bonfire night. And for those kind of sort of, I suppose, couple of months really, isn't it? That there's, there's so much going on, certainly from, from I suppose, from, from our time as, as kids, probably a little bit less so now. But yeah, what, what a great time. Mm. Well, you get the summer ones, don't you, generally, along the seafront in Great Yarmouth. Mm -hmm. um, the, but obviously, I think the last two years, due to the pandemic, it's very rare, it's mm. just kind of been cancelled. But I think once they're done, we would look to um, pop along to, to see one of those in the summer at some point. Because it shouldn't be, uh, <clears throat> shouldn't be too bad. Mm -hmm. some water. I'm quite, quite dry. Do you need a drink? Oh. <laughs> yes, anything. I had some sugar and sweet, no, sweet and salted popcorn beforehand. Nice. But it's all, it's a ploy. It's a Is ploy, it? I tell you. Oh. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, it's not a ploy, it's the wrong word, but no, it's to help me later on, and it'll all become apparent later. Okay, interesting, intrigued. Mm. One of the, I suppose, other fun things around fireworks is often what they're called. We have a, a top 10 of fun firework names. So cue the music. Number 10, The Punisher. Nine, The Palm Party Firework. I say that sounded, that sounds like some party that I would invite myself <laughs> to when I was 14. Number eight, The Nuclear Sunrise. Number seven, the psycho ex-girlfriend. I'm sure we've all got one of those. We're all been there, definitely. Six, the great pretender. Number five, the haunted fish. Number four, flirting with greatness. That's what you do every show. Absolutely. Number three, what I have after the show, a migraine. The migraine. No. <laughs> Number two, the golden shower. That's what I give you after the show. <laughs> Followed by... The poopy poppy. That's it. Well, I, was, I guess I was, it's better than a, a hmm? rusty rocket. I mean, a rusty rocket. I'm surprised that wasn't on there. One, well, one, one from one rusty thing to another, which is my memory, which is never great <laughs> at, at the best of times. Which leads us on to a segment we have done before, a couple of times actually. Um, mm. Would I lie to you? Would I lie to you? I don't you? know. I don't know, would you? Well, we're about to find out. All right. Well, let me just uh, sip some water. I think I, I need... My cushion comfy. Yeah, yeah. Ready for a story. I think I need a, a quick uh, gulp as well. My would I lie to you? I've, I've given it a little, a little headline as well. 
And oh. my story is called Wicket Wipeout. Wicket Wipeout. Wicket, wicket <laughs> Wipeout. So, I can't remember exactly when. I think it was about 2003, maybe 2004. Went to a kind of mini convention and I believe it was in Norwich. Again, this is where the old rusty memory comes in because I can't remember exactly when. I can't remember exactly where. What I can remember is, is one person I met at this convention, or one of two people I did meet. One was Kenny Baker, who played R2-D2 in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And the other was Warwick Davis, also of Star Wars fame. Harry Potter, um, Leprechaun. He was an Ewok, wasn't he? Was he, he an was, Ewok he, was, he, he played Wicket. He played yeah, Wicket, yeah. yeah. So this is where the, where the, the story comes in. So... I know, he's, I know he's still alive, so you couldn't have actually killed him. No, 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 nearly. nearly. So at, at this convention, it was, it was quite a, a weird room in that it had lots of different levels. So you'd have kind of the, the, a large part of the room and then there'd be two or three steps that would go up to another part and then a two or three steps that would go up to another part as well. And on each level there were different tables. Some were traders, some were actors. And you could go and meet and greet and get an autograph and... and Pay for that, and uh, um, oh my all God, sorts they'd of. Sell, they'd sell, they'd sell autographs. I, I just thought they turned yeah. up just because for the fans, but it's like, no, oh no, it's, it's, for it's, a fiver, you can have my autograph. Yeah, you'd be lucky to get it for a fiver. I can't remember how much I paid anyway. Um, mm. But no, it's how a lot of them make their living. You, you see some of these, um, for example, Star Wars actors, and they played this background character, or they were in this costume, and. You've got no idea exactly who's in it, but they can they can actually make a, a living out of going on the convention circuits and selling autographs. So oh, right. yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to the back to the story. As I said, there's there's lots of lots of levels on this in in this room. And I'm walking along, just looking around, about to go down some steps. And as I kind of turn around this corner to go down these steps, I didn't see Mr. Warwick Davies then walking up. So I turn, go to go down the steps and knock him backwards a few steps. Luckily, it was only two or three steps. He managed to stay on his feet, but only just. So I nearly wiped out Mr. Warwick Davies, wicket, the Ewok. So what floor, we, so there we sit, so there's the ground floor, first floor, second floor. They weren't even, they were just levels. So it, it wasn't like you'd go up a whole flight of stairs into another room. It was just, just different levels in this one big room. It was, it was just really bizarre. All right. And what, was he, was he browsing or were you in the specific, were you in the Star Wars section or? There wasn't a specific section. Like I said, there were, there were tables all, all over. Some were for, for traders selling memorabilia and, and collectibles, and, and other tables were for the actors to sit at, and then you could, like I say, go up and meet and greet and get, a, get an autograph. Or, um, we, wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had really sort of cameras and photos as we do nowadays, so probably not the photo opportunities. So how... So, oh, it's too... Okay. And... Um... So normally, you're a careful person. You would always look down. Yeah, I was, to where you're around, walking stuff. Like going that. Well, around the corner. Say, what was it? What? Oh, so well, what was it that kind of took your 
Mike, because you're still going to be looking down. If you're walking downstairs, you're going to be looking in front of you. You're not going to be... Something must have caught your eye. I was probably looking at something on one of the trading tables. Could be some Star Wars figures. I, I really can't remember because everything's well, now... Near the stairwell. No, yeah, because they were all over the place. They're trying to fit all these these different... different um, uh, tables in so it wasn't like a, a, a separate stairwell you'd go into this room you've got the the main big area and then you'd go up two or three steps onto like a, a raised area within this room and then again there was another raised area a little bit further back so whereabouts did you say this was held sorry this was uh, this was somewhere I believe it was in Norwich but this is where the old rusty memory kicks in because I can't remember exactly what year it was I can't remember exactly no, where the location. it was. You don't can't remember where it was. Oh. No, no. And just remember, just remember the inside of this room. But I cannot, I can't even remember who I went with. Did you get any autographs? I did, I did, I, I did actually. Cost? I did. I think they were about 10, 15 quid a piece. I really can't remember, but I did get Kenny Baker's, and I did get, I did get um, Warwick Davies. But that was before I knocked into him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do it out of sympathy. Oh shit! No, no, How no. Was... I'd, I'd done it before. Obviously, went up, had a little chat with him, had a little chat with them both. Really, really nice guys, both of them. And yeah, whether he'd nipped off to the loo or to get a drink or something, and was then heading back to his table. He's heading up the stairs. I turn to go down the stairs. Bash! Knock into, knock into. Um, Your knee must warrant. have hit him in the face then. Um, or the probably, sternum. probably. Because he was oh, kind of coming, coming up like a couple of steps, almost to the top. I didn't see him. All oh, right. So what did he say him. after then? Because obviously, oh, I was obviously the... really, really apologetic, um, and uh, you know, made sure he was okay, which which he was. Let's say he stumbled back a couple of steps, managed to hold off actually falling down completely, which a few big relief. But yeah, very embarrassing. What did he say to you? Though? He was. He was. He was fine about it again really nice guy so uh, it was kind of uh, you know an awkward moment and you, you know really sorry you're okay there you know yeah I'm, I'm, I'm fine are you sure yeah I'm okay okay really sorry and then I kind of scarf it off <laughs> <laughs> oh dear red face it's funny embarrassed yeah it's funny the word scarper comes from the Italian scapper and in the 1950s, when you had an influx of the Italians into London, then Scarpa made its way into slang really? and then the English language. Yeah, okay. Scarpa, Scapa. Sorry, there you go. Um, no, I think it's a, I just I, I think it's a really lovely word, Scarpa. Um, it's not used often, is it? It just just came to mind there. There we go. No, no, absolutely. That's, that's why I just had to highlight it and throw a bit of information at you. Um, and this is a tough one because I don't know. Because, I mean, if you're in this convention, you are basically going to be in like an opium den for a massive heroin addict, and mm. you are going to be high as a kite, mm -hmm. almost kind of in, in a kind of state of delirium all the time. You've just seen Kenny Baker, who you obviously had seen on uh, Star Wars as R2-D2, gone absolutely kind of a bit, ooh, lightheaded. Um, this is a tough one. See, it's always, always been a, always been a fan of Warwick Davis. Let's say Star Wars, Harry, Harry Potter had been there only. I think it was only the first two Harry Potters because I remember having a conversation about will he be in any more of those. Willow, great movie. Willow, you know, starred in that. 
So you got his autograph and you got his yeah, photo. Yeah, it was it was it was the uh, Wicket the Ewok photo that oh. I got the the signature on. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I think is true? Do you? Yeah. I'm afraid it's a lie. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's convincing. Almost, almost. Um, I, did, I did go to a convention. I've got no idea when or where it was. I did meet both Mr. Kenny Baker, Mr. Warwick Davis, but I never bumped into him. about one movie star or a couple of movie stars, uh, we move into what we've been watching, listening and reading. Yeah, I'm still going through Game of Thrones. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to call it, yeah. So Where, season five has just happened. Right. Jon Snow's been, uh, been stabbed to <gasps> death. Spoilers. That's right, it's been around for God knows how long. <laughs> That's right, I've, I've, I think I saw up to season five. Maybe a little bit season oh, six. Yeah. Anyways, I think we tried to watch season six and it didn't work on the uh, TV yesterday. So uh, 
Oh, no. I need to re thought oh, do you know what, I wasn't that fast. Because it's given me opportunity, because, I, well, disappointingly, right, we, we, we watched, obviously, last year, All of Friends. Mm -hmm. I watched Frasier, right? We've been rattling through. Must admit, we slowed the pace down a little bit around number nine. It took us ages to get through nine, actually. Started to watch 10, and to my horror, there's canned laughter all over it, and it ruins it. It absolutely, I, I don't like stuff with canned laughter in anyway, because it's almost kind of the don't tell me when to laugh type thing. I don't, mm. You don't need it. If it's, if, it's, if it's funny, it'll stand up on its own, like, like films do, you know? You don't have canned laughter in films. But yeah, it's just terrible, Frasier. So I don't know, I might give it one more episode and see what happens, but I might just so leave it there. So they didn't have it in the, in the previous episodes, it's just put into this no. season? Well, no, what, no, what, what I think happened, because I think my brother was telling me about it ages ago, that the slot that Frasier was in, on in American, was like prime time. And then what they did, they shifted the time slot to like a Sunday evening or a Monday, or when basically no one watches TV. And so the ratings dropped quite dramatically. So, and then I think that was season 10. And I think maybe 11 was the, it was the final one because it's like, right, we're not going to commission another series. And that's ultimately why Frasier finished. It's oh, just because the numbers were dropping. Whereas Friends finished on a high because mm -hmm. the natural conclusion of their stories, then Frasier's was cancellation was due to the dwindling numbers. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as I said, so that's given me the opportunity to watch. I started to watch Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, well, I, I, just, I watched yet. the first... Shit. I watched the first 10 minutes of the first episode, and my wife came downstairs. She's like, why are you watching that again? I'm like, well, look, you haven't even finished watching it. And um, where well, we've had to re-watch all the Game of Thrones from the beginning. I said, well, look, we should watch Breaking Bad. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Let's start from where we are. And I'm like, you can't remember where we are. So I think we're going to go and start at season mm -hmm. four. And yeah. then it's just four and five. And um, yeah, it's, I watched back and just watching the first episode again, I do want to go back and revisit them. I think it's fantastic. And, they, and I implore you to watch, start watching them. In, oh. if, if you put it on a tablet or something or other, just give yourself that opportunity to watch it. It is fab. Right, well, when, when you come to rewatch it from the start again, let me know. Let's see if I can, I can pick that up with you and we can share that journey. Yeah, that would be quite good. That would be, be a good, that could be like, yeah, breaking, uh, we could do a little Breaking Bad section. Yeah. We'd have a little chat about each, each. Uh, yeah. That'd be a good way of getting you involved. And plus we only have to watch one every two weeks. We could eke that out for years. We could eat it. We're gonna milk it. <laughs> so that's so all. You, so you've been watching, listening. Reading? Oh well, no. So well, no. Watch it. Well, this is just watching stuff. Uh -huh. And I watched um, the first episode of season three of What We Do in the Shadows. Matt Berry. Right. Et al. It's really, really funny. I didn't think it was like super funny this one, but um, so it's a new series got, then. Of, yeah, new series. Right. Yeah, they're all available on BBC iPlayer, but and I definitely, obviously, squeeze them in before we get Breaking Bad sorted out. Because mm -hmm. have you been watching much? We've continued we've a continuation from before, which is the the Halloween movies. So we've now um, 
I think three, four, five, and six, or four, five, and six of the original run, and also the, the Rob Zombie remake as well. So we're, we're still kind of carrying on a little bit with that, that Halloween, as in, as in a, 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 a kind of like a, a festive thing, as well as the, the, the movie. So carrying on with, with, the, with the spooky movies. Um, they, um, yeah, you can see the, the, the dwindling budgets as, as they go through and uh, um, the part, gore. part of the charm, part of the charm, I think, of, of those sorts of movies and as they progressively get worse and worse until they kind of, nope, that's enough. But yeah, entertaining, take them for what they are. And um, Does the just, low budget help give them that feel though? Because if they'd have gone the other way and been popular and just had loads of money thrown at them, do you think they would have lost their charm it, or it, and ruined or...? It's, it's hard to say because I never experienced these movies when they first came out. I was always a, a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, so I, I followed those. Uh, I think from I, th I think about you know three or four onwards up to up to sort of six, and then a new Nightmare. So I was a really really big fan of, of that franchise. I never got into the Halloween franchise. I'd, I'd seen the first one, which is an absolute classic. Same with Friday the Thirteenth. I'd seen the first one, but hadn't seen the rest of the the, the run of those movies. When I was younger, again, it was it was having sort of access to them, which we, which we've you know got on tap nowadays. So I can't really comment in in terms of you know how they are or were at, at the time, but yeah, you, you kind of want that that certain cheesiness to to horror movies that that you kind of know that's that's a bit rubbish. The the characters do stupid things. The plot doesn't always necessarily make sense. The jump scares are sometimes quite obvious. But it's it's part of the fun of, of experiencing those those movies. Mm. Well, I guess it's, it's the thing, isn't it? They, they're almost kind of like your uh, light-hearted horrors, whereas now mm. the, the fear fat is kind of ramped through the roof. It's mm -hmm. gory. And, go for that shock quiet, value, don't they? Yeah, which I'm not so keen yeah. on. I'm not so keen on too much gore. Yeah, I like I like, the, I like the, the suggestive horror. You know, is is something going to jump out at you? you the, your, your mind fills in those blanks again, doesn't it? And Well, ah, you just reminded me of something on Game of Thrones. In season five, there's the bit where obviously Sansa Stark, she marries um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Bolton bastard. Yes. And that scene at the end, obviously, when he rapes her, uh, in all the other scenes, sex scenes, has been shown. Whereas this, mm -hmm. it turns and it, and it looks at Reek or... Um, Greyjoy and it's interesting because it's like it's so much more powerful not mm -hmm. seeing it than seeing it you know and um, yeah I mean, it's a seeing horrible somebody's thing, reaction to it yeah absolutely I mean it's just horrible but uh, very uncomfortable yeah, so, so have you been um, are you still listening to Gunship then Gunship's, you, uh, Gunship's been on yeah. in the car I'm having a bit of a, a synthwave revival with Gunship and a bit of uh, Carpenter Brute and uh, um, yeah, Carpenter Brute. Carpenter Brute. He's a he's another synth artist. Um, oh, tends to be a, a little band, bit sorry. Tends to be a little bit more um, heavy. There's this kind of a, a bit of a, a heavy metal influence in there as well as the obviously the synth and, and um, horror themed as well. Because obviously the synth music lends itself to horror films as well. Which which there's there's bits of in the Halloween franchise. Well, I listened to um, Michael Jackson's number ones. I downloaded that when oh, we were right. you know, driving the car. But it was all off the back of when you did your Dugin. 
the apple bobbing, and obviously in the background I played um, Thriller. And it wasn't inspired my, by my stylophone playing then. Well, there's a little bit of both. There was the oh, stylophone okay. playing, and then there was the Thriller bit in the background. And I thought, oh, I won't, I won't download the whole uh, thing. But I didn't realise the song Girlfriend from his first album. Off the Wall was a song written by Paul McCartney, which is on an album later on called oh, London Town. Because I was watching, just as I remember, I was watching this YouTube um, documentary that this guy, well, it's not really a documentary, but what this guy's done is he's rated McCartney's albums like solo and wing stuff from worst to best. And I've started watching that, I'm about 25 minutes in, and it's mm -hmm. interesting how he breaks them all down. And then another thing there was to do with the while my guitar gently weeps, there was another, uh, you'll, you'll un, not unhear this or something, or other can't unhear this, is the, is the user. And he talks, he's talking a little bit about the bass playing in Whilst My Guitar Gently Weeps, obviously, which we covered a couple of shows ago. I've not listened to it all, because I was in the garage when I was listening, uh, watching it, and I thought, oh, I better come back in here, because I'd just gone into get the garage to get some supplies for later on in the show. But yeah, did you know that REM had re-released their new adventures in Hi-Fi and no. El Camino, no. the 10th anniversary by the Black Keys? No. Yeah, I've only, I've only, I've downloaded them onto my Spotify, but I've not listened to them yet. I'd like to get the REM one on vinyl because New Adventures in Hi-Fi, it reminds me of my first year at uni because I remember getting it on, on cassette from cash converters, <laughs> just play, playing the hell out of it. But. Uh, yeah, that's that's it really in terms of like the listening. I've I've not listened to any of the Beatles, um, Let It Be, Super Deluxe. I think I'm going to wait for when Get Back gets released because that's the thing. I bought the the Get Back Beatles book and I've not read it because I thought I don't want to ruin the the three kind of hour long documentaries when it mm -hmm. comes out. I'd rather watch them and then feel inspired to want to listen to like the outtakes mm. and the album again off the back of it instead of listening to the songs and thinking, well, I know Super Deluxe, but it really hasn't changed much since, you know, it's still the same song fundamentally. Eh? But anyway, no, so that should be, um, so that should be quite cool. So have you read anything? Not you read really, anything else? not really. Um... No, me neither. Again, no, just, just haven't, haven't been inspired to, to really read anything uh, at the moment. What are those no. books you were reading during um, Jury Duty? Wasn't there a collection of things you, or there was that author you said you wanted to start getting into his stuff again? Or Yes, yeah, there was, um, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Is it the, do you go for like EPUBs then? And you watch them via books on your, read them sorry, via books on your iPhone? Occasionally I'll get, I'll get a book if if there's um if there's a, a book I know I want and sometimes it's on offer, it's going cheap, ninety nine p, something like that. Then I'll I'll get it. Other than that, I, I do like a physical book. There's just something about mm. a book to hold, the feel of the paper, the, the the smell of the print, all of those things. Mm. And it's it's one of those great things working in a bookshop is you open up the cases or the boxes of brand new books. You just get the, the smell fresh from the and printer. The new book smell. Oh yeah, which is great. And I, and I equally love old book smell as well. It's just something about oh, really yeah, old, old, old book Musty smell. Musty old libraries. Yeah, and the, the, things, the paper yeah. is a little coarser. And it's, it's got that yellowy brown tinge to it. And 
Yeah, I do like holding an old book, actually. Because it's got that kind of, that, that, as you say, the paper feels different, like, or it's all mm. dusty and dry. Plus, yeah. at the same time, I, I always think of how many people have read this book. Yeah. You know, and it's probably it's got like... It's a bit of history, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, or you look at the stamps. You used to get the stamps when it was taken back. Obviously, mm. return, the library. that rubbery mm -hmm. stamp, yeah. And that would always be really cool when you'd look, at, you'd, you'd be like, it'd be great, oh, I'm the first person to get it, or I'm yeah. the second person to get it, you know, you're the third mm -hmm. person to read it, and, and those things. But no, I've not done much reading either. Well, sheet music for guitar, I've been learning to play my guitar again, because oh, my nice. finger is finally getting back to how it was after my son accidentally kicked it two months ago. So it was like, I couldn't oh, play no. D minor, <laughs> kill my finger. Your and, fingers all um, bent out of shape. Yeah, exactly. I can play some fantastically weird notes. <laughs> um, and Paul McCartney's lyrics. I brought that double, double booked thing oh, or whatever it is. I've only yeah. had the chance to dip into it once, but it's. I thought it was going to be him talking about each individual. I don't know. He kind of does talk about each individual song, but there's kind of a, a theme that runs through it. Is all these little stories, which sit behind the song or what was happening to him at the time. And it's not like a diary, but it's, it's kind of, it, it, it flows in terms of you, you get all of these little puzzly pieces and then you, you slowly plonk them all together. It's not like a linear story. So in, that, in, that, in, in, in so much as that, it's interesting because the, obviously the lyrics go in an alphabetical order not chronological. I thought about doing a playlist of them being chronological mm -hmm. and then hopefully seeing a kind of progression mm. or actually you go great, 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 great. Oh my God, what's happening here? <laughs> oh my God, the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And then back up into... Um... So no, maybe I'll try that and I'll share the playlist on our um, Facebook page. But no, it just, yeah. You hear all of the different bits, as I say, from where he talks about each song. And as you slowly build that picture, it's, 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 I think it's going to be a fantastic book to read. I'm uh, going to definitely take my mm -hmm. time with that. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Indeed. I was also, um, well, I was listening to, I listened to my Guilty Pleasure. Is this the second time we've, we've done the Guilty Pleasure? Or the uh, well, we did, the, we did the whole show. We did the whole show, didn't we? Um, yeah. And this is just a little, a little tidbit. These, these are the ones that didn't quite make the first cut, or we've realised were guilty pleasures that we didn't realise last time. Oh no, this is this is a guilty pleasure, but it's almost one that I'm too ashamed to ad admit to, because generally, in, I don't know, I say in music well, terms, I think he, he did release one good album, but it really annoys me, um, what, sorry, what annoys me is on a previous album, where he ripped off the song She's the One by Well Party. Like he's been in gigs and he said, oh, this is probably the best song I've ever wrote. And then he's gone on and sung She's the One, Robbie Williams has, right? Obviously that's who my song is by. And it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating. Like how, I mean, him as a person, I don't really like, but I think Escapeology which is what this song's from, the album when it came out at the time. I, I don't know, someone suggested, I think maybe a girl I was seeing at the time, or somehow, anyway, and I put it on, and I was like, okay, it's not too bad. Guy Chambers is the guy who worked with Robbie Williams, who was actually, you know, musically very good. 
And so it wasn't too bad. And um, I got made redundant for my job because it got bit, bit, um, it got bought out by a larger company. And then the first thing they did is like, we're going to squeeze it. And because mm. I was the last one to, to join, and as a journalist, they didn't need as many journalists. And um, so yeah, I got made redundant. I found it really difficult. And also, I think what as well as from leaving university, like my best friend went back to Italy. My other friend moved back to, I can't remember it was, Ashford, and then he just, you know, I don't know, we just didn't see as much as each other. And for me, it was, it was weird. It was like a great big knee-jerk reaction from this whole thing, and I felt very lonely that suddenly my lifestyle had changed, my friends weren't around, I was in London and I felt lonely, and it was just, I don't know, I had work that would keep me busy and, and going out and doing things, but the undercurrent was I didn't feel as happy as, you know, I didn't like working, basically. And anyway, I moved back home. I moved back to my parents because I couldn't find another job. I was like, run that of cash. I thought, right, I need to have a bit of a, a rethink here. And moving back to Yarmouth, like no friends. And this is one, of, so this song that I listened to, um, it was weird because I'd have these moments of melancholy whilst I used to kind of walk, uh, I would walk along the beach, I would, leave my home, go up straight to the beach, walk along the beach, up Regent Road, straight to the library, rent another CD out, and then back up Regent Road, and then along the beach and home. Or I might get some chips if I felt particularly uh, uh, flamboyant. Uh, Brewers, Brewers was the one I always go to, near where the old, near, you'd walk past, I can't remember what it was, it was a McCall's. Shop. Anyway, I'm r- rambling on, and <laughs> so, so yeah. So it was, it was, it was good in a way, in in so much like uh, of having this time on my own, because it got me to reflect on me as a person and thinking about my, you know, however, like 19, 20, 21 years, 25, whatever it is. Thinking back, I think I was 22, 23. Anyway. And yeah, it was just an interesting time. And so the song is called Feel. And some of the lyrics, it was like, oh, you know, I, not the whole thing about I'm, I don't want to die, but I'm not keen on living either. That's, you know, the, the kind of only the melancholy kind of feeling of that kind of uselessness, not of actual suicidal thoughts. And just, just feeling kind of out on a limb. I'd obviously moved back to Yarmouth. I didn't have any friends. Uh, the friends obviously I knew from college that had been, you know, they were one step removed, as it were, because uh, of, of uni. You know, I might bump mm. into the occasional person, but yeah, I remember seeing Tanya Harrison from my media class. She was in Boots and she was like, oh, here's my number and um, oh, my mum will come and pick you up and come. you can come to mine and we can watch some movies together because I miss cr- critiquing movies with, with people. And I never really took, I didn't take her up on it. I just didn't even bother calling her. And I feel bad for that, actually. I never got in contact with her because, um, well, I think it would have been really nice for me. But I, I found myself being kind of quite isolated, self-imposed isolation, really. And, yeah, it, it, so it was great because it just allowed me to immerse myself in music. So this is a weird kind of guilty pleasure because when I listen back to it, it reminds me of, that era, that that kind of that time, because music does. But at the same time, it, it didn't, I didn't feel sad for me. It was almost kind of like, wow, I remember that particular time. I remember that, you know, obviously pre-COVID, 
Um, no responsibilities, no family, nothing. I would just go for these nice walks, listen to music, you know, have a weekend, no, no care in the world, you know? So it was really nice to hear it again. Um, still hate Robbie Williams though, I think he's completely fine. <laughs> and then boom, I can play boom. that song. Wow. Does that Come on, hold my hand. I wanna contact the living. Not sure I understand this role I've been given. I sit and talk to God, and He just laughs at my plans. My head speaks a language I don't understand I just want to feel real love Feel the home that I live in Cause I got too much life Running through my veins Going through waste
we've had your stories about a certain individual that, that's allegedly time-travelled from the future to give us certain warnings of... Oh, yeah, know, yeah, in, yeah. Impending... 2147, isn't it? Yeah. And I've, I've come across a, a story, not to do with time-travelling, but kind of along the same lines, so, so slightly inspired by your, your previous news stories here. So this one reads, Super-intelligent Russian man believes he was born on Mars in a past life. A Russian, wow. oh yeah, a Russian man who impressed scientists with his super intelligence as a kid claims he spent a past life on Mars before being reborn as a human. Boriska, oh, I'm just going to call him Boriska because there's no way I'm going to pronounce this surname. Shall I try it? Mm-hmm. Kip, uh, Kiprian, Kiprianovich, uh, who lives in um, Volgograd in Russia believes he once lived on the red planet before he was born to his earth mother. The man who believed to be 24 years old has baffled scientists since he was a child with the levels of intelligence and knowledge of space. His mum was reportedly always aware of her son's high IQ and even claims he used to hold his own head unsupported when he was very small and claims he started speaking at a few months old. She also claims that he was able to read and draw when he was just one and a half. By the time Briska started nursery, his teachers were impressed by his language skills, writing ability and impressive memory. Despite his parents never teaching him about space, Briska would often start talking about Mars, space and alien civilizations from a very young age. He told them that Mars still has alien life, although it was hit by a massive nuclear catastrophe after war broke out between two sets of beings that lived on the planet at the time, uh, which were allegedly remembers, which he, sorry, which he allegedly remembers. There were few survivors, but he says that some still exist to this day after learning how to build houses and weapons. Bariska said that the aliens on Mars breathe carbon dioxide, so if they were to come to Earth, they'd need to make sure they had some of them. He also has interested, uh, sorry, he's also insisted that there are lots of big secrets to be uncovered here on Earth. In places including the Great Pyramids of Giza, he says is a hiding uh, big secret. He said the human life uh, will change when the Sphinx is opened. It has an opening mechanism somewhere behind the air. I do not remember exactly. What do you make of that one? I was going to say, well, Mars, it's, it's not the place you want to raise your kids. Interesting. I mean, obviously, they're doing soil samples at the moment, aren't they? Mm. And, you know, might, might, might bring some bits and bobs out of it. But no, I, I mean, this is the thing, it's that um, Scientology, isn't it? They all got into rockets and left Mars because of some reason or other, and then they landed on Earth. But, who knows? Elon Musk thinks this is we're living in a simulation, or maybe a hologram, um, as 
Professor uh, Brian Cox thinks. Oh, really? Yeah. So we could all be like <laughs> Red Dwarfs Rimmer. Yeah. Oh. That's the thing. Like, with holograms, because sometimes people would walk through them, but generally to say, well, so you're on budget in Red Dwarf, they, they didn't do that mm. trick too often. But I think it's like one per season or something, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I used to watch it a lot when I was little. I don't know if it's... Was it on Dave now or something? Or yeah, it had a bit of a, a resurgence a few years back with some extra series commissioned by Dave, which which are good, which are good. Yeah. I remember Dwayne Dibley. That's the thing, because I remember yeah. in school, everyone Great saying, Dwayne Dibley? Uh -huh. <laughs> That's only because he learned Because who's... The, oh, who did play Cat again? Because he was in Strictly, wasn't he? Didn't it they get rid of him because he was a bully? Danny John Jules. I said, Danny John Jules, apparently was Did they really? I didn't know that, really. So they chucked him off the show? I thought so. Wow. That's what I thought. I read, I mean, I subscribe to Pop Bitch. And if you don't, I recommend that you do. It comes out every Thursday. And you may or may not see one of my jokes that I read out on the show on there. Because I do read them. But I try not to copy them. Yeah, Pop Bitch. That's my guilty pleasure on a Thursday. What's your guilty pleasure? Mine? Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's time for, for my guilty pleasure. It's, it's hammer time. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. So after your um, very deep and meaningful story about how that song means a lot to you, I've gone for the, the pop rap classic of You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Came out in... 1990 on the album Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Them, which was his, his third album. Around about the time Dad, wow. I was getting into metal and rock, so it was, I suppose, a, a time of discovery for music and being a metalhead. Oh, was it that time when you kissed that boy head. as well? You, you French no, kissed that boy? No, being a metalhead, obviously I wouldn't really want to, I wouldn't want to admit to actually buying this album. I do have it on cassette somewhere. Or I did have, I don't know if, don't know where it is. I do remember listening to this, this album and the majority of the songs on there, I didn't mind. I remember his big pants. His big pants in the video, yeah. When he does the, yeah. does the, does the oh, dancing trousers. up and down. Yes, there, well, we're, we're, we're talking American now, aren't we? Pants. Yeah. And all the, all, the, all the dance moves, which I did try and learn in my bedroom. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> or did I? I said, did you break, break, did you break a toe? <laughs> did I break a toe? I don't no. Know. No, I didn't. Oh. No. So other, other than it just being a song that I, I do enjoy when it comes on the radio. Well, I remember that. And it was Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that, that was the, it did one knock the other off the charts. I can't or remember. did one pip. Pit the remember. other one. Because obviously there was a controversy with Vanilla Ice and the riff from Queen. And the, apparently there was, there was uh, controversy, a, a lawsuit filed on MC Hammer um, for using the intro riff or the riff that's used in the majority of the song, Super Freak, by Rick James, which I didn't know until I kind of looked up this. Wow. 
Well, that's the thing. People always steal, don't they? And that's the hook. Once you mm. get something which is kind of ingrained in people. But, oh, didn't know that. So, um, MC Hammer. Did he, what, I mean, does he still do stuff nowadays or have you not bothered to? He's, he's, he's done a, f a few little bits here and there. Nothing massively recently. Um, he's... <laughs> recently, you mean in the last 35 years? No, <laughs> I, th I think in the last sort of five years he hasn't, I don't think he's done anything music-wise. But he, um, he reaffirmed his Christian beliefs back in 97 and actually began a, a television um, kind of ministry show called MC Hammer and Friends. So he, he, he spent a lot of time, you know, preaching and spreading the word of the Lord. And mm. yeah. Tax free. Tax free. Isn't it? All the stuff the church, they get their charities and they. Is it? I don't know. Oh, I really don't know. Don't know. Me neither. Me neither. I'll cut that bit out because I get hell. I get my hate mail. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, if you've got enough room in your bedroom, then just put the song on and uh... have a dance. In fact, have a dance. Take a little video. Send it into us. You can't touch this. Oh, you've never ever got a face. You can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. My, 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 my music this. hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I to run and do like me? It feels good when you know you're down. A super dope homeboy from the oak town. And I'm known as such. And this is a beat up. You can't touch this. I told you, homeboy. You can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know.
time. Record breakers. Yeah. Rob's record breakers. So That's I just much, need to do... I could say that has a much better ring to it than, than Carl's record breakers, doesn't it? R Rolls Rob's off the tongue. Is, Rob's There's no breakers. way I'm going to be doing any more of these challenges. <laughs> so what I'm doing at the so moment... What have you got? Right? So I don't know what year it was because the website that I was trying to access didn't allow me to access it. But... I I've got cans being opened. Uh, Yes, a Dan S drank eight cups of Coke in one minute. Wow. And so one cup was 7.5 fluid ounces, which is equivalent to 213 millilitres. So what I've got here is I've got these cups, these little plastic cups, and they each hold 150 millilitres. Once I've, when I'm just pouring them up to this like, particular line, which I know is 150 millilitres. So I am using, because it's obviously 10 to 10, I've got no caffeine, Pepsi Max. So <laughs> I'm just... Clever, I'm, you've I'm thought like, that through, yeah. Well, I'm going to be wide-eyed, blue boy from Free Cloud, whatever the... Um... Oh, that's another thing I did actually listen to, because I felt like I kind of gave David Bowie a bit of a hard rap um, in the previous show, doing the album review, and I did listen to his early stuff. Um, like the Laughing Gnome, and mm -hmm. um, In the Heat of the Morning is another. You can, I think it's on his greatest hits that he released. Like nothing has changed. There's a song on there, In the Heat of the Morning, which is a fantastic song. And I remember Supergrass were on the Jonathan Ross show, and they said like they were talking about David Bowie or something, and they were saying about how they'd like to do one of his songs. And if they or Jonathan Ross said, "Oh, if you could do a cover, what would you do it of?" And they said, "Oh, In the Heat of the Morning," and he was like. That's not a David Bowie song. And they said, yes, it is. And he says, no, it isn't. And I know every single David Bowie song. And I was sat screaming at the TV saying, no, it's on his Duran album, you tosser. <laughs> oh. So there we go. So yes, uh, let me just, hang on. I'm so just how many cans have you opened? I've opened four cans, right? And you're expecting to drink all these? I've eaten a load of salt and popcorn to make uh, it faster. Oh, I've got a bucket here as well. Is that in case you're sick? Yeah. 
No, in case I need a pee, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> well, after this, I might. We should have done this right. at the start. I should, yeah, that, that's such a shame we didn't make you do this at the start. I knew you'd have to sit there for. Why? Oh, that's right. I've got I've got prostate problems. I've got a bladder. I've got a camel's, <laughs> camel's bladder. Right now, I've got to drag the rest of this out. What's we reckon? Another another hour and a half after this, because it's about forty no, minutes as it, it goes through your system. Oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I've, you've heard of, of what is it? Um, some uh, meditators can reduce their body temperature by one degree or something. Then what I can do is I can increase my bladder by <laughs> however long. But listen, it's, it's quite. Should we hear the bubbles popping? Anyway, right. So in, in one minute, you? I have to try and I have to try and drink as many <coughs> of these as possible. What I'll do is I'll let you know. So I've got four cans. Four cans, yes. Yeah. So and they're three thirty each. So you can figure that out as one thousand. Um, how many is that? Milliliters. So six cans is one thousand nine hundred eighty. I don't know. So six sixty. So six. And I'll let you figure that out. How? Hey. Four, <laughs> four times three hundred and thirty mils is how many mils I've got in these cups, right? So I've got a measuring jug. So the co the coke that I've got left, I will measure up, right? Right. And we'll that'll be able to tell, that we'll, we'll we'll get a proper gauge of how much of this I've drank. Gotcha. Right. So it's for one minute. Three. Oh, just, just drop my glasses. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Let's drop my glasses. I'll grab the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> Three. Hang on. I just got. Hang on. Not yet. I'm trying to get rid of some air in my chest. Three. Uh, hang on a minute. So three, two, one, and then on go. You do your stopwatch for one minute. All right. Okay. Three. Okay. Two. One. Go. Right. Ooh, little. Um, I suppose I, I better fill in, fill in a bit of time here. That's, is that one cup done? No, you don't need to answer. Just keep going. Uh, you're taking this much more seriously than, than I normally do. I'd have, I'd have probably uh, ended up talking through half of this already. Wow. I think you're going for it. We are approaching 30 seconds. I think you're going to do this. So Pe Pepsi Max over Coke? Or are you uh, more of a, a Coke drinker? What about Panda Pop? Panda Pop Coke is, is always... That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 50 seconds, you've got 10 seconds left. You still going? That's five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Stop! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Have you burnt through <laughs> your nose yet? Oh dear! <laughs> right. And your little bits come up. <laughs> Have you got the bucket handy? Oh yeah, don't worry about that. It's, uh, oh, you swallowed it back down. Uh, oh. well, there was a bit when I was drinking, right? All the bubbles just kind of rose up, mm -hmm. and I couldn't actually stop myself from burping. It just started to erupt. Uh, uh, There's nothing oh. worse than burping through your nose. Doctor Pepper does oh, that no. to me every right. single oh, yeah. time. No, I... <clears throat> 
No, I didn't burp through my nose. God, that stings. Good, good. <sighs> right, we're going to measure this. So, 330 millilitres. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Times four cans, how much is that? So, Three. 330 times four. Let me just figure that out. That Ooh, is, actually, this is it. That's 1,320. Right, 1,320, right. <clears throat> 1,320, right, I know that I have left. Right, I drank in one minute. Oh, wow, I'm amazed. <clears throat> I drank one liter and 20 <gasps> milliliters in one minute. Um, wow. I have let, I have 300 milliliters left of Coca-Cola. Wow. And I drank, so. I'm glad you said cola oh. at the end of that. Cola. <clears throat> it was, yeah. Do you know what, I'm kind of glad I did it with um, the Pepsi Max. Because I think that's not as, it's more syrupy and I find it more flavorful. Mm, definitely. Oh, oh I, hang on a minute. Let me see if I can jig my stomach around. <laughs> oh, I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm wearing like a, a fat suit. You're gonna, you're gonna suffer later on. Well, I think oh, you're God, suffering yeah. now, aren't you? Well, do you know what? <clears throat> wasn't too bad actually. I, I was just so glad that I could, uh, I could drink. So I basically necked three cans and a bit of Coke. That's impressive. That's impressive. There you go. I have laid down the, cha the chauntlet. The chauntlet? <clears throat> I have yeah. laid down the gauntlet. Thing is, I'm actually a bit thirsty. <laughs> the only thing I've got in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like Rick from uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, I can't. I can't um... <laughs> This is all we're going to get now for the rest of the show, isn't it? You yeah, belching in my ear. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty, but I just got coat. There's no way. Oh, no, I've got a little bit of water left. Drink the water. Drink the water. Oh, I don't know. I need to sit down and watch a film or something. That's the kind of uh, you know thing I need to do. Did just you ever you watch any films? Kick back and relax. I have. I have. Uh, a very good. I hope film. you watch the same. I say. I hope you watch the same one as me. Almost didn't. Almost didn't. Yes. Just, just, uh, just caught me on that one. Yeah. Film review. And this oh, was this was this end. was this was your choice, which um mm. really pleased about. I popped it on my, my watch list when I saw the trailer and I think it sat there for, for a few days and but no, um incredibly happy that you suggested this movie. And what a movie, what a movie it is. Well I suppose well, we better say what, what it is. What it is it <clears throat> yeah, is come on. it is the movie the Harder They Fall, which has just been released on Netflix. Mm. Starring Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors as the, uh, the, the two main actors in there, but we've got uh, a whole bunch of others as, as well. It's a Western. You know, yeah. you know I, I love a Western. That's, uh, why I, that's why I chose it. I thought, oh, actually, I've not, I, I, I've not watched a Western in ages. No. <clears throat> I don't know if I could do with watching one. Um, what a fun western it was! I mean, talk about style within within this oh, movie. Absolutely. Um, 
What did you think of the soundtrack though? I thought it was fantastic. Some really, really great song choices all the way through. Yeah. It, it almost felt like a lot of the scenes as they were filmed were, were being choreographed to the music as well. And I'm convinced those horses they rode were actually that had a, a kind of a, a swagger or a step as they walked or rode, which was in time with, with the beat of the music. And oh, I, didn't, I didn't get that. I'll have to go back and look really? at it again. Yeah? Yeah. Because no, I, I did see a quote from the um, James Samuel saying, I utilised club, dancehall and Afro beats because when I hear them, I see the Old West. And I thought that was really, uh, I thought that was a really powerful thing to do. Because also as well, because I think if it had used classical, if it had been filmed in the classical sense of a Western, mm -hmm. then there would have been a numerous amount of comparisons. And it might have been like, oh, they're just trying to do like a Bridgerton in the Wild West. Mm -hmm. It was definitely um, interesting in that. But when you said about the, the colours, one of the things that struck me, well, just going, sorry, just touching on the thing of the, the classic Wild Westerns. At the beginning, you had that close-up, didn't you, of that of the Nat, Nat Love's face, mm -hmm. and it's kind of harking back to the spaghetti westerns, almost sound like you know, here we go, a little nod, but then that's as far as you go, and that's all they needed to have done. Yeah, it, it referenced westerns. You can tell that the, the the people behind this movie were fans of, of westerns, and they paid homage to to different types of. Of, of Western movies and, and stories, but they made it their own. It's very much its its own entity, which is you know it's so different to any other Western, and it it's actually it, its credit and it, and its and its strength in that it, it's mm. not like you know another Western that really that, certainly that I've I've seen a very modern take on on the Western. I mean, the, the, the bit that first got me was, was when it starts. It says, while the events of this movie are fictional, these people existed. And all, mm. I think all but apart from a couple of the characters in, in, the, in the movie were real people that existed at some point in the American West. But what the wow. director and the writer has, has done is they've taken these characters and just put them in this fictional story, which, which yeah, it, it, it's... It's over the top, it's flamboyant. But that's part of, I think, what makes this movie so visually and um, audibly enjoyable. As I say, was there any particular scene for, that kind of stuck out for you? Because there's, there's, there's two things that really stuck out for me. Well, the first one, I guess, yeah. from a cinematography point of view, was there a scene that you looked at and went, wow, you know, it was so clever. Or not not clever, but just really striking. It was there is can you tell me that one? I mean, all the way throughout, the the, the visuals of this movie are, are, are beautiful. The way that it, it's shot from the, the, the angles, the motion of the camera, the cinematography, um, the editing of it is 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 is, is fantastic. Mm. What really brought that home to me what, what really made that apparent was when they visited the the white town mm. and you've got again if, if you've not seen this movie go and watch it go and watch it first and, and then obviously listen to this this bit of the show we'll try to avoid obviously too many spoilers well it's not, but, well, it's not a spoiler is it um 
But through through well, it, I mean, you, you, you look you look at the the, the, the town and, and the locations that these characters are in, and, and they're rich in, in color and light. And then you go to the and I'm kind of using the invert commas here, but the white town. I think it was actually called White Town. Yeah, that's and, exactly and, and what I come is, up with. And it's and it's and it's stark white. Yeah, bleached. Um, it's absolutely bleached, bleached, bleached yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But in the other town, was it called again? Parker Town? No. Bridge Town? No. Um, Redwood. Redwood. That's it. Sorry. But yeah, like in Redwood, because obviously the, the terminology used for black people back then was coloured. Mm. So it's almost like this is a coloured town, and bash, you've got mm. all these fantastic colours, and then this is a white town. Because when you said white and it comes up on the screen, and you go there, it's like that is extremely white. Yeah. Even the even the soil, you know, the, yeah. the, the dirt is white. But no, was there another? Was there any other particular kind of scene? The way it was one, obviously that's to do with more of a generalised aspect than the the colourations, as you know the kind of in, in the background was there a scene that you, you saw because for me it was the where you had the um the standoff of those two gunslingers and mm -hmm. you've got these long shadows yes that are cast and that are cast and yeah absolutely yeah. that was very clever because uh, mm. my it was funny i was watching it and then my wife came downstairs and she was like oh isn't that a guy from atlanta and i was like oh and it's like, oh, isn't that woman in Atlanta as well? What no, oh no, what's that woman been in? And I said, she's been in The Harder They Fall, and I'm watching it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. please, <laughs> it's like, I hate it when people come in near the end. They, oh, what have they been in? What's mm. that that they've been doing? It's like this film. Yeah, I'm watching this film. I'm not thinking about the others. But anyway, no. So, but yeah, that that was. I mean, there are capital characters from Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I just find the whole thing just uh, extraordinary. Because one of the things I did, I can't remember, the, the, the female um, on the baddie's side, because obviously there's two ah, yes, females, was, the goodie and the baddie. Um, Regina King was the name of the character played by Trudy uh, Smith. Uh, excuse me, sorry. And uh, <laughs> the challenge coming back to haunt me. <laughs> Does she wear the hats of the last person that she kills? Is that her trait? Is that her? I didn't. Is that her trademark? Because that. I wasn't too certain at the very beginning when she kills the train driver. Yeah. But she does she take a, his hat? No, she was wearing a cap, wasn't she? And then she puts on that bowler hat. That's that's yeah, that's so, worth rewatching. That's that's yeah, really yeah, interesting. Because because there's that bit where that woman's being. Um, she, there's, there's the uh, emphasis on the two hats. She goes to where she 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 goes. To, you think she's going to pick that hat up? Yes. She goes to pick and she picks up her own one. Mm. And that's what got me thinking. Oh, does she wear the hat of the last person that she's killed? Because obviously she was wearing, as you say, like mm -hmm. a band. Was it a bandana to begin with? Scarf, wasn't it? And then when she shot him, she had. And I just thought, oh, what if that's one of her, one of her things? Interesting. I mean, it's a movie that absolutely warrants multiple watchings. Just for the, uh, the the visuals and, and the, the the music. Oh, sound! I'll say it? the soundtrack is immense. Yeah, I remember hearing something similar to that. I think it was Django Unchained. Yeah. And there's a scene where you've got like this horse just going slowly across mm -hmm. the the screen, and you've got this kind of rap music or something. And yeah. and I and for me it just made me feel uncomfortable. I thought that was not, it didn't fit in there because I think, as other parts of the film, there was, kind of 
uh, of that era music of but yeah that's jag on chain this is obviously the hard they fall but no i i saw, i can't remember if i saw it uh, reviewed somewhere or i'd heard it and then it just suddenly appeared on my um amazon something so i thought oh and it's a western so i thought i quickly text you and said right let's not do yeah. the other film that i've said and i'm so we'll glad keep that, that we we'll keep that i mean I was, I was literally probably about an hour off watching oh. putting that movie on well i think we were we were i think we were watching Halloween. I mean, it's like gonna oh. finish watching that, and then we were, then I was gonna put that on. So no, I'm oh, pleased you messaged me when you did. Oh, did I you mean, watch it with anyone then? No, watched it on my own. Oh, okay. So it was. I, I it was. Um, wonder if your wife enjoyed it or if anyone enjoyed it. No, 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 no. Um, <clears throat> I think my wife did walk through and, and kind of question <clears throat> what I was watching, and had absolutely no interest in it at all. I think. <laughs> I th- Carl, what's that in your hand? <laughs> I think. I, th- I think my son. Would enjoy it because of the, the nature of the visuals and, and the, the, the music in there. Although it's not his style of music, I think he would. I think he would appreciate the way that it's all all put together. I mean, it's interesting you said about Django and Change. That I I did feel it had a, a bit of a Quentin Tarantino feel, a bit of an Edgar Wright feel in there as well. So the, the kind of the, the characters, the dialogue was very Quentin Tarantino, where there's these these little intimate conversations, but it's actually relaying quite a lot. Of Information about those characters or about events so you do really really need to listen to that that dialogue quite closely and again I think on repeat watching you'll, you'll pick up more of that and then with with the, 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 the some of the style of, of the, the shots and the, the motion of the camera and the choreography to the music I thought was very Edgar Wright like mm. with uh, with what he does certainly in um, Baby Driver where a lot of that the scenes choreographed to the, to the actual songs. Ah, oh, not seen. Yeah, so I mean, Baby Driver. I just start tried to watch that. Went too happy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, all in all, I would I would give this a five out of five stars. It's definitely yeah. a film that I want to watch again. Yeah, and I absolutely. wonder whether there'll be a sequel at all or anything. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose it in, interesting in that. Um, yeah, I'd love to see more of this. There is actually kind of not necessarily a prequel, but the director, um, James Samuel, he's actually directed another short Western and it, it, it should be available on YouTube. I was kind of looking through and it looks like the whole thing is on there. I don't know how close it is to what we've had with The Harder They Fall, but he has done another another short Western. I think it's about 40 minutes long. And there's also a Jay-Z music video or, or some sort of video or short film that he's done with him because Jay-Z contributed quite a lot to the a lot to the, the soundtrack and, and the scoring of, of the movie and, mm. and, and another person that did a track was Seal I don't know if you know but Seal is actually the older brother of James Samuel the director did not know that mm-hmm. wow very cool so out of five, what would you give it? Five. Easily. Easily five. Okay. Really enjoyed right. it. Shall we hear from the older brother now? Let's do it. Everybody gonna 
it's um, my attempt to con you, Carl, <laughs> without, without burping. Actually, I'm surprised I've not burped as much. Mm. Or you know, you got quite a bit of it out of your system quite quite early on there, didn't you? Well, it just erupted, just erupted. But no, um, so yeah, my guilty, my guilty pleasure, uh, not guilty pleasure. This isn't a guilty pleasure. This is like um, that happened to me when um, I went because this is the thing. It, it all ties in. Like um, thinking back to the the guilty pleasure song. One of the things I used to do to cheer myself up was that I would go and visit my friend in Italy quite regularly. Um, I would always go there on a January because that's when his birthday is and the chances are I'd always go there probably September time just when I don't know the weather was still you know warm or maybe even like June July but definitely not August he'd have cleared off to the beach um, with his family but anyway one of the things um, I did when I was around there because he used to live with his grand in this big house um, It'd be really hot, and because it was an old house, it didn't. It had the little fans, the swirly fans, but then some of them didn't work. They didn't get them repaired because basically the nan was on their last legs, and then once she was to leave, then they were going to sell the house because they wanted to build a hotel on the area. Anyway, it's in this town. I had a really hot shower. I was so hot. I went. I went to outside, and what happened was I accidentally exposed myself to a group of Italian school children <laughs> who were walking past. So there's a driveway and then there's the gate, obviously. And the school kids were walking, must have been walking from wherever their school was to the church or something, I don't know. I know there was a church because that used to go like, dun, dun, and he'd be like, oh, shut up, this is Sunday morning. Anyway, and so yeah, I sat there on this step, legs akimbo with my, obviously my Frank and Beans on show, not realizing it, they walk past this gate and I'm just looking, having my morning coffee and, you know, just, I don't know, it was early in the morning, I say early in the morning, it was a warm morning and yeah, they were just kind of, and then someone was like well, waving at me and stuff and I was just a bit like, all right, okay, why are they waving? and uh, so on. And yes, it turns out that as even they walk past, that I suddenly realized that, oh, actually, um, I was exposing myself to them. So were you wearing anything at all? Or you just- Yes, completely... I was wearing a, I was wearing a t-shirt and a towel wrapped around my waist because I, I even though I was hot, I'm not one to necessarily show off my, my body. I'm not overweight, I wasn't muscular either. But at the same time, I just had this thing, I'd just put a t-shirt on, which was light and loose, and I just wore the um, towel as a, as a sarong, basically, and I sat down and had my coffee. Um, and what sort of reaction did you get from these, these schoolgirls? Well, that wasn't school, it was school, school boys and girls, oh, they were going right. past, and then someone were waving, someone was shouting stuff at me, which I didn't know. Did you wave back? Was. Well, I kind of did one kind of wave, but it, I was conscious of that. I didn't want to be waving to a bunch of school kids, like, you know, like, hi, everyone, hi. It's like, <laughs> you can acknowledge, you know. It's that whole polite thing, isn't it? You just, all right, you acknowledge it, and that's it. You don't, 
that you, you don't cast your eye over in that direction. You just go, right, I acknowledged you, said hi, and I'm now ignoring you, is the polite kind of thing to do. That's, that's, that's kind of what I did. Mm. Mm. Any questions? Mm. Just trying to think. Kind of try, trying to take that in. Don't know how much of that I want to take in, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but, well, do you know what? The, 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 um, that house, because um, I think about a year and a bit, I think his, what, uh, his nan passed away. And then what it was was that as part of the deal, the, um, the company that brought the land instead of giving them the money, what they did is they offered them three apartments in this block. So my, my friend Marco had a flat. His sister got a flat. And then um, his cousin, who was another grandchild, they also got another flat. So they had these three flats in these new apartments. And <clears throat> where, obviously, everything had been moved out and my friend who's whose office was there, had a little fire in the corner. This has got nothing to do with the with I lied to you, by the way, because this is just where, where I stayed. And we went back to the house when it was basically barren. Nothing was in there. There was like maybe a wooden crate and a, a broken stool. And we both sat in there, made a very tiny fire in this, uh, in, in, the, um, in the little chimney, in the fire pit and stuff like that, in, indoors, because that used to be his office. So the amount of times that I would go over there, we was when we would. This is where we watched like Shaun of the Dead and Lord of the Rings, and we'd both get so engrossed with it and stuff like that. And it used to be he, he did loads of video editing and design and everything else. And yeah, that was like a really sad period because um, obviously they did, then demolished the house a few few months later, and I've driven past it since, and it's a. Um, yeah, it's just like a, like a mini complex hotel thing, and it's just really sad because of the, all the memories mm. that, I, that I had there. Um, so yeah, and that was one of the things that when we were just chatting and lighting fires and burning stuff in the house, that was one of the things that we had a, a good chuckle about. Is one of the things that had happened in the um, in 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 the house, or you know, in the grounds of the house. Obviously, I was sat outside mm. instead. Truth or lie? I think every element of that story is true, apart from obviously the main bit where you say about exposing yourself to the Italian school children. So I'm going to say that's that's a lie. It's true. Uh, you're true. You're right. Sorry, it's a <laughs> lie. It's a lie. You're right. Everything is true except the um, bit about me exposing myself. Yeah. Um, I was just sat there. And um, I certainly wouldn't. I'd, I'd have felt the breeze, you know. I'd have felt the grit from the floor touching the tips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the E numbers, Carl. The E numbers. Were <laughs> it's all kicking in there, is it? it is, oh it dear! Is, it is tripod. It call me. Um, should we swiftly move on to the uh, next section? We've got a, yeah, just a little pre-news oh. story, and then and then we are going to um, go into the uh, original or cover, which I can't wait for. A few shows ago, we mentioned Charlie Watts, the drummer of, of Rolling Stones, and I always felt that he was 
the Doctor Who that we, we never had. He always had that Doctor Who-ish quality mm. about him. And I've, I've recently come to realise that there is a, another musician that could also take on the role of, of Doctor Who. And that person is, again, someone we've mentioned a, a couple of times before on, on the show, and that is Mr. Brian May, who has actually time-travelled. So a very little quick brief news story here, and, and that will tie nicely into our original cover in a moment. So Brian May has just reissued his debut solo album, Back to the Light, and to commemorate the occasion, he's travelled back in time to perform with his younger self in a new video. The video features a masked present-day May entering an empty concert venue before he sees a vision of himself and the Brian May band performing the title track from his 1992 album. After a flash of blue light, the 2021 Brian May begins to perform the song as well before both versions of the Queen guitarist close out the track on stage next to each other. So speaking of Brian May, we have got my original or cover. The title of the song is Starfleet mm, it by, by Brian May and Friends. Have you ever heard this? That one includes
So have you have you ever heard this song before? No, never heard it before. Um, I'm not a big Queen fan. I don't think particularly that Brian May can sing. I don't think he's that got that much of a personality. But then maybe it's the fact that Freddie Mercury was so kind of, you know, big star. But no, I've never... <laughs> never heard the song. <laughs> it's just it's lulled me into sleep, even with all the uh, enums going what, around my mouth. That that song doesn't doesn't light a fire. It doesn't doesn't get you going. What a track! Now, I mean, this got me thinking around the whole thing of like whether it's an original or cover. And I thought to myself, right, is this a cover? And the re and I don't think it is because right there are a number of reasons behind it. The first one is that. Brian May is uh, uh, educated, isn't he, in, in uh, astrology, the stars mm -hmm. and, and all those things, right? So he's either done a cover version of a song that he really appreciates growing up or for another thing that he's seen and he's done a cover version of it and stuff like that. But then I thought to myself, no, probably you wouldn't do it because it's the whole thing of that's the theme tune. You don't need, you don't cover theme tunes really. But then I thought to myself, right, if he's going to write a song, then he's, if it's a project for that he's written a song for a show or something or other for this cartoon, I think he would really throw himself into it and he'd want full kind of, not, not just doing a cover and it being a bit part song and stuff like that, but by doing the video, by doing all the, you know, it's like a it more of a more of an immersive kind of project for him to do. So I think that this song is an original. Okay. Before I reveal if, if you're you're right, I'm not I'm just just going to give you a, a little bit of information. This is uh, from a show called Starfleet, uh, originally called X Bomber in Japan. It first aired. Uh, in the UK on the 23rd of October 1982, which is the day before Star Wars was first broadcast on British TV. And this is a, a show I've, I've really fond memories of watching at the time, heavily influenced by, you can tell it's a puppet show. Um, so Jerry Anderson, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, all of those sorts of things. Loads of Star Wars influences in there, along with the, the, the Japanese style of storytelling and types of characters as well and in terms of sort of watching listening reading i, I have begun re-watching these episodes they're all available on, on youtube in, in terms of the theme tune which we've just heard starfleet by brian may and friends is actually a cover oh wow so it, it was originally written by paul bliss um, of the bands Moody Blues and The Hollies. He played keyboard in both of those. And he wrote all of the music for this, this show. So for the English dubbing of, of this show, he did all of the music, which is largely synth-based. So again, you can tell a, 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 an appreciation for uh, the, the, the style of music there. And mm. Brian May and his son enjoyed watching this show so much that he decided to just do a cover so the original album, or it's a mini album, apparently it's too short for an album, too long for an EP. The actual album version of this is eight minutes and four seconds. The single version, which has got the montage of all the video clips in there from the show, four minutes and 12 seconds. 
Wow, there you go. So it's um, 14.11. Man, you're, you're breathing down my neck. <laughs> Catching up, it's about time. Greg's Supervan 23 gets a huge vegan sausage roll tattooed on her leg. Lots of people like cheeky Greg's now and then, but only a dedicated few are willing to declare their love of the High Street Bakery permanently. Greg's super, super fan, Beth Queedy, asked a mate at the tattoo studio where she works to ink a vegan sausage roll on her leg. The 23-year-old 23 tattoo apprentice who visits the bakery several times a day is particularly fond of their vegan sausage rolls. Her artwork was carried out by a colleague, Rachel Baldwin, 35, who jokingly suggested she give Beth the tattoo after noticing her lunch habits. The pair who worked together at Bold as Brass Tattoo Studio in Liverpool designed it together before Rachel tattooed vegetarian Beth on October the 21st. Beth said, all my colleagues in the tattoo shop have a running joke about how often I buy food from Greg's. When Rachel suggested the tattoo, I was on board straight away. A lot of my tattoos are quite serious, so it's good to have a jokey one too. I definitely won't say no to another Greg's tattoo. It's opened a door for me now. It's safe to say I'm a Greg's super fan. Jeepers. My wife actually got a tattoo. Yeah? Yeah, it's of a, a, a seashell. It's located on her inner thigh. But the best part of it is, is when you place your ear next to it, you can smell the ocean. A little bit of the bubbly.